science has evolved and come to great understandings of things about life. And some scientists have come to understand in their own mind that they don't need God and that they can explain away God or that they can do anything that God has done in the past. One scientist went before God and said, that, said just that to him. said, I can do anything that you can do because we have figured it all out. And God said, can you create man out of dirt just like I have? And the scientist said, yes, I can. So God said, go ahead and do it. So the scientist knelt down on the ground and started gathering up all the dirt and started shaping that dirt into the form of man. God coughed. <coughs> Excuse me, sir. Go get your own dirt. We can't do anything without the provisions that God has given us. No matter how far we advance, God is always the creator first and foremost. Our dreams and our passions are only fulfilled because God provided the resources and the paths that we're on. And for that, we should be thankful. Today's passage of Scripture will be come from, coming from the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verse 4 through 7. The Word of the Lord says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayers and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Father God, as we come before you today, we ask that you be with each and every one of us here. Father, I ask a special request today. Open our hearts. Open our eyes and open our ears, Father God, to, to hear your word. To not just let the word be something that, that comes and goes, but let it resonate within us. So that we can see your dreams and feel your passion for our lives. Empty me from any word that I would want to speak. Fill me with your spirit. And let your word rain down from the throne. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Today, as we approach Thanksgiving, I have such a heavy, heavy heart. I was thinking today about how to present a sermon, but then I, I realized that, that each Sunday when I come forward, that I never choose the way in which I preach, the tone or the tempo. I do what I ask God to do during my prayer. I let go and I empty myself and I let God fill me and only pray that I don't mess up the message that he sends. Today is a special day in a sense because you get to meet me for the first time. And you might be thinking, what do you mean we get to meet you for the first time? You came in here in June. We, we had a set-up meeting. You, you told us all about who you are and what you've done and all these things that you want to do. But, but something happens sometimes when somebody introduces themselves. We already have a perceived notion of who we want that person to be and what we want them to accomplish. 
And as time passes, we find out that the person that they are is not who we wanted them to be. When that happens in relationships all the time, especially dating relationships, when you start to go out with somebody, you have in your mind how you want this person to be because you want the perfect relationship and you don't want to search anymore. You want it to be that person. And time only tells whether that person is or is not who you wanted them to be. I want our relationship to be good. In order for it to be good, and to accomplish the things that, that God wants as for us to having peace in Christ and hope for tomorrow. We as a people have to be on the same page. Meaning having the same mind in the same direction. You see, COVID came into this world and it destroyed a lot of things. And one of the things that it went on to destroy were not just businesses and homes and jobs, but it went on in part to destroy the church, so it would seem. I do not stand on that belief, though that is the belief of many. I stand on the belief, as our district superintendent, David Thompson, says, COVID did not destroy the church, it cleaned the church. It took those people who were unfaithful to start with, that had no commitment to Christ, had no commitment to the church, and let them go their own way so that the church can be rebuilt the way God intended it to be rebuilt. Those who are left behind, not just in this church, but in all churches throughout the world, now have a fresh start, a new beginning with believers who are in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. But what happens is when we come out of a tragedy like COVID, we come back and our expectation is that we're going to jump in, grab the bull by the horn, and rebuild everything just the way that it was. That is the desire of many people. And it's not just in the church, but in the workplace and in the home place as well. And what happens is, is they find a person and they think, and this is what I perceive and I can be wrong. So if I am overstepping my boundaries, please forgive me. But I perceive that, that many people thought that when I came in that, that I would be the one who brings back everyone who left and that from that point we rebuild and things look like it used to be. But I am not that person. I have said since I've been here that my job, my vision, is to help you find a vision. Not that you fulfill my vision that I have for the church, but that, that you experience God, not Tommy, in a way that, that he puts a new fire in your soul for the future of this church. But in the process of doing that, something has to happen. We have to come to understand that it wasn't just COVID who put our church in the state that it is now. Time and the impact of time did that as well. Meaning that, 
that there are people that you have asked me to call and make contact with, and I did, and I love them. They have been some of the most wonderful people I've met, but they are not coming back to our church because of health reasons. And that is a very valid reason. But I am so happy to hear that, that they tell me when I go visit them. I saw Janice Miller this week that, that they sit on Sundays and watch us on the Internet. I'm not a big fan of the Internet because I ask Susan all the time, are people really watching? But then they come and they tell me, and I know that they're watching because they tell me what I spoke to them about. We minister to them even though they are not here with us now. But the reality is is that even with their absence, the church has to go forward. You are not here by accident. You are here because you are ordained ministers to the gospel of Jesus Christ. God himself selected each and every one of you to carry out his will in the building of a new church. But before we can move forward with building the new church, we have to let go of the idea of what the old church looked like. And I know we, we say that all the time, but, but we don't really realize what that means until we realize that what we're doing no longer works. See, I'm not the one who is here to usher in the new generation. I am the one is, that is here to help you find that new vision. And you can say, you say that all the time, but you haven't given us a plan on how to do that. And I have, and I want to tell you how that plan continues. I have given you that plan by not forcing you to believe that but for allowing you to experience for yourself that when I call or I visit or we attempt to rebuild what was and it doesn't happen, I'll let you find out for yourself instead of forcing you to believe me. And I think that we are at a point now where we can say what was, was, and it was great, but it is time to move forward. And how do we move forward? What is the operating plan for that? I have, do I myself expect you to just up and have a vision one day? No, I don't. I talked to you a little bit about what a vision is, just in part what I've talked to you about. And your vision is good. Your vision is we do not want our church to perish. That is the vision. Everything else is how do we fulfill that vision. And that starts at the beginning of the year on January 10th. It's already a day set for a finance meeting. So David Thompson is going to be coming in. And he is not here because of the finance meeting. It's just because the people are already gathering that day. So that we don't have to call people in a second time during that week. And he is going to talk to us about the future of our church. And do not leave here today thinking that he is coming to tell you that he is shutting your doors or that he is going to require us to go from a full-time status to a part-time status. That is not why he is coming. He is coming to help encourage us and help put for a plan to help us move forward. And he has this person who is skilled 
in speaking to people about finding new vision. And they have, in the past, worked with other churches. In David's own words, he said this to me, that I sent this person to a church that I thought would never, ever revive themselves. They were that dead set and determined on dying. And when they got finished with their seminar, this church came alive again and started new ministries and began to flourish again. And that is my expectation, not because I am doing something. No, all I am doing is pointing a way, but for you to experience God in a new and living way to bring hope to your heart, hope to your church, and a fire to your soul. That is what tomorrow looks like. And it's hard, and this is where the passage of Scripture comes in, because I am not unsympathetic to, to understanding your pain and sorrow and your disappointment when, when we talk about these things. But we are moving into a time of thanksgiving, and then beyond that, a time of celebration when we anticipate the coming of Jesus Christ. We have a lot to celebrate. Paul told us in Philippians 4, 7, the very first thing he said is rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And we can do that today as we remember yesterday all the people who have come into our lives and we, that have had an impact on us, all the lives that you have changed with your ministries here in this community and beyond. That is a reason to rejoice in what God did then, God can and will do in the future. But it requires something on our part, and it requires us to do those things that I have been talk to, talking to you about in the past. And if you are where I think you are now, maybe you can understand why I have talked to you so much about those things, about moving through the wilderness, about leaning solely on God, because if we cannot build our own plan, just like that scientist could not form dirt into a man and just like God did and bring life to him, we cannot in our own imaginations, in our own will, create a future for us. Our future belongs to God and God himself, and in that we rejoice. Scripture tells us that God is the God of the living, not of the dead, and we are a people who are alive. God has plans for you and me and your church, but you have to continue to persevere. You have to make your way to that point that God reveals to you that next plan. It is not much different than what you experience now. You know that come the fall, it is time to do a chicken fry. That is what you do. That is what you know. That's what God called you to. And in the same manner that, that he called you to these other ministries that, that gave life to you and gave purpose for you, in the future you will experience those things too, and not the far future, but the near future, I can tell you. But you have to keep your head up. You cannot be dismayed. You've got to keep fighting and keep pushing and keep praying. It is not within our will or our power to transform the church or the community. That is within the power of God. We are his servants. He gives us opportunity. We do not tell him what to do. He guides. He directs. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want he guides us down the path of righteousness for his name's sake. 
You see, it's not just about us and how we look in the community, but it's the glory that we bring God and his name through our actions. When the blind man was presented to Jesus and everyone asked, why was this man born blind? Was it because of something he did or was it because of the sins of his father? Jesus said, neither. It is this way so that God may receive glory. Now, I'm not telling you by any means that God created COVID. I will not say that now or ever, but I will say that the scripture is clear that God works in all things for the good of those who love him. And in this nightmare that was created for us, God has not let go. God has not forgotten. And God is continuing to work today. And in out of all this chaos, not only will God create something that is beneficial for us, but he will create something that when people look to you and look to this church, they will know to worship the holy living name of God through Jesus Christ. Amen. Be anxious for nothing. And that is the hard part about this transition is because we are holding on, and rightfully so, to a memory of something that once existed, and we wanted to become something, but there's a space in between those two points of time, and in that space is where we experience anxiety, and we experience anxiety because we are humans. We want it here and now, but we can't have it here and now, and we have to be careful with anxiety because it brings out the worst in people. I promise you it does, and I am an example of that anxiety will make me blame somebody else for the experiences that I have in life it is somebody else's fault that this is happening to me or if we only had something else then it wouldn't be this way that is what anxiety does to people that is on the outside that destroys relationships it destroys communities we do not want anxiety to get the best of us and then on the personal side of anxiety it causes us to be restless and that is not what god called us to be we are christians soldiers of the cross soldiers stand in the storm ready for battle yes they experience fear yes they experience anxiety and when they are faced with the unknown they have a choice just like everyone else we can sit and stop we can crawl or we can stand with our weapons that god has charged us with and face the storm with dignity and that is what god calls us to do when the storm was raging and jesus and the disciples were sitting in the boat and the waves were crashing in over to the side the disciples that were with him became very fearful to the point that they ran to Jesus who was sound asleep on a pillow on the stern of the boat and woke him up not to say come help me or excuse me not to say save yourself but to say to him this very thing are you not concerned about our life do you not know that we're going to die They weren't concerned about the people around them. They were concerned about their own well-being. And that says something to us about a people. That naturally we think of ourselves, but when we are dealing with crisis, we are not to concern ourselves with our own comfort. When we are considering serving God in a manner that serves other people, we are not to concern ourselves with our own comfort. We are to concern ourselves with how we present ourselves 
to the rest of the world and that the rest of the world looks to the church and sees doubt and fear and infighting, they will have no reason to come in here because they will say that the church is no different than the world. But Jesus said to the disciples that day, why are you so fearful? He says to the storm, storm, be quieted, and the storm stopped. And that is what God wants to do with us when we experience anxiety. Anxiety sometimes feels like that storm within inside of us where the, the waves are crashing in on us and we seem like we're losing control of everything in sight. And then we run to hold on to everything that we know dear. It is fear that pushes us to that point. And it is fear and anxiety that, that pulls out all that stuff within us that we don't want to be seen. But just like Jesus spoke to the storm, be quiet and be still, he speaks to our hearts the same thing. Because when they tell us that story, we picture the physical storm. But I think what God is really inferring to us through that story is this, is that storm is not without, but that storm that is within that Jesus can say to be still and be quiet. Have you ever experienced that in your life? I will share with you again something that I've shared with you probably too many times. But when I drove that car off of that bridge into that creek, upside down in my youth, and that water from that flooded river was rushing in, all I experienced was fear and anxiety. I was fighting for my life within my own power and within my own control. And when all I tried failed miserably, I had nothing left to do but call on the holy name of God. And when I called on God with my whole heart, that storm within me was quieted. No matter what happened, it didn't matter. Because at that moment, I gave my life fully to God and his care. It was at that moment that, that I realized that, that no matter what I wanted for life, I could not achieve without God's protection and God's guidance. That no matter how bad I wanted to save myself, that without God's hand and his protection and his guidance, there was nothing I could do to save myself. But when I called wholeheartedly on the name of God, God was present. And all fear and all anxiety left. And then, and only then, when I was willing to trust God with my whole heart, and my whole life did God act. Now that car was upside down in a creek. I couldn't find my way right side up and left side out, and I couldn't figure out how to get out. And every attempt I made failed. But there was a hand that went upon my head, and I felt the pressure as it began to push me underwater. And all went black. And the next thing I know was Laura, the girl who was with us, was on the outside of that car. Her foot came down in that creek beside my face, and I woke up in safety. 
And when they pull that car out of the creek, that window that, that I tried so hard to break myself that wouldn't break was broken, and I believe that that is how I got out of that car. But see, life is just like that when we're walking with God. God doesn't want to really hear about how we want to do it. He may be concerned, yes, about the desire of our heart, but how it is to happen is the job of God. And when we release ourselves of the burden that we carry, that we think that we have to do and that we have to build, when we release ourselves of all anguish and give it over to God, God calms the storm within inside of us. But he still tells us, don't be anxious. And he says that because anxiety will return. But we choose how we respond to it. We discipline ourselves as a people to not respond negatively. David lost everything in his time at once. He had a a group of men who were following him into battle. They trusted him. They believed in him. And, And one day when they were out fighting a war, they come back home only to find this. Their town had been destroyed brick by brick. Their women, their children were all taken. None murdered, but they were all taken captive. And David looked to his men, those who had trusted him and followed him all this time, and he noticed that they were not happy and they were getting ready to kill him. And I'm sure that at that point in his time, David experienced great anxiety, but this is what he did. This is what the scripture says, that David brought himself up in the Lord, meaning he looked at his circumstance and he said, either the circumstance is going to get the best of me or I am going to rise and depend on God. He did not bring himself up in his own ability. He brought himself in God's ability. He called on the Spirit of God to bring him up out of the mire and out of the mud and stand him on solid rock again. And that's what we have to do as a people. We don't look at our circumstances say that we are defeated. We rise ourselves up in the name of God and we declare that not only is God king of our lives, but that we are a people brought up by God and that there is a standard by which we are to live. And the people outside this church want to see that within the hearts and the minds of the leadership of the churches that they attend because they want something. They don't want us to be perfect. They want something to believe in. And when they see conviction in our lives, then they will follow and call on the name of God themselves. But David, even after he stood up in the name of God, did not declare to God what I'm going to do. He did not say, God, this is my plan on how I'm going to deal with this. I want you to bless it. He didn't say, this is what I think should happen. And he didn't say that if this only had happened to somebody else, it would be a different circumstance. David, in his power and in his might, humbly went before the Lord, presented his case, and instead of telling God what should be done, he asked, Father, 
how should I handle this? Should we pursue or should we not pursue? And that would be a difficult thing if you ask me. Because if I am David and if I am in that circumstance, and I think you will understand this, that when I am losing something that is dear to me, I want to fight for it. I want to defend it. And I want to put everything on the line to care for it. But I know that if I follow David's lead, what I will experience is this. The Holy Word of God acting in my life, leading me to a path of success, not a path of failure. If God says, do not go to the right, then do not go to the right. If God says, go to the left, you go to the left. If God says to give to me everything that's holy to you and trust me with it, then you give to him everything that is holy and you trust him with it. And David did that. He didn't present his case. He made his plead to God humbly, Father, what shall I do? Should I pursue or not pursue? And God's response to David was, you shall pursue, and not only shall you pursue, but you will succeed in your quest. And that's what we have to do as a people when we experience anxiety, when we experience a loss for today and uncertainty for tomorrow. We rise up in the Spirit of God. We live today. Today is the only day that God has promised anyone. He has not promised not a single one of us one second past the breath that we breathe now. And in that moment and in that time, we give everything over to God with prayer and thanksgiving. You see, we have a lot to be thankful for, and we may not recognize it because I know we, we remember how things were. I remember how things were in another career. I will be honest with you. Can I be honest with you about that for a moment? Because in my other career, I had a much more comfortable life. I got to take people to jail if they made me mad. It was simple. It was an easy, easy job. Oh, you made me mad. I'm going to fix you and solve that problem. I had much more security financially just being honest it was an easier job an easier life and sometimes I get lost in the thought of what used to be and sometimes I want it to be that again but I can never go back to what was. And instead of sitting all the time wishing that today was something that is gone, I have learned to live in today for what today is and experience to the full every blessing God has for me. And that's where we find thanksgiving in our hearts. It takes thought to be thankful. Especially in difficult times. Because in difficult times we, we, we don't feel so happy and we don't feel so fulfilled and, and we have to think about what good blessings 
God has given us. And if you don't believe me, I'll come up here next Sunday and I will ask each and every one of you to tell me something that was good that happened to you the week prior. And I will promise you, and I only know this, and this is not to bash anyone, I know this because I have done this a thousand times. When we ask someone, what can we pray for? They will always tell us something that is wrong, something that is broken or something that needs to be fixed all the time but if we ask somebody to tell me what was the one good thing that happened to you this week you will have to stop and think about it that's who we are as a people the negative always comes to the foreground and we have such a difficult time finding those good things but they are there can i share this with you then i'm probably crossing the line here now but that's okay i don't care we are in good shape and let me explain to you why because i've already crunched the numbers time and time and time and time again Okay, 41% of the United States population attend church service regularly, 41%. So if we take that percentage and apply it to our circumstance today here in Bloomingdale, this is what we have. For some time up to 2017, the city of Bloomingdale experienced slight growth. But from 2017 to 2021, there was a decline in our population. Up to 600 people have left this area for one reason or another. I do not know the reason, nor do I know where they're going. I just know the numbers. So if we take the, uh, the national percentage of people who attend church with the amount of churches in our immediate area, not just in Bloomingdale, but, but even around Bloomingdale, where people go out of the city to attend church, we are right there with everyone else. We are doing good for the circumstances. And to be honest with you, we are doing better than some. We have currently two churches in our area that are combining churches. And they are two churches of two separate denominations. Not sure how that was going to work out. But they can't make it on their own. But they're coming together. One will be closing its door to go to the other church. To unite with them. We're not doing that. It looks dim but we're doing good, and that is something to be thankful for. And here's what else we have to be thankful for. Grovetown, Georgia, where I first started my ministry, was a town much like Bloomingdale. It was a small town that had been protected from growth, and I am not bashing that. That is a good thing. You protected your people. But it came to a point that, that Grovetown had to grow, and people were saying that Grovetown was going to die if it did not. New leadership came into that town, and that town blew up. Not blew up like Pooler did, but it blew up with a controlled growth. And the churches grew. The community grew. Jobs came in. People came in vitality came in so that's something else for us to be thankful for because we know that that is happening here in our community new leadership is taking place leadership that knows how to grow and grow effectively leadership that wants to grow and bring jobs and people in and know how to do it without causing chaos but it takes time it is not going to happen overnight and in that time of waiting we as christians are charged to rise up in the strength of god and be thankful every day not for what has passed away but for what we experience today and for what we know god is bringing in the future god tells us in his word that that 
Jesus has left us something in this world when he left it, and that is peace. He said, peace, I leave you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. But lean not onto your own understanding, but trust in the Lord. And do not let your heart be troubled, and do not let it be afraid. Peace is the thing that we need more than anything. And when I'm talking about peace, I'm talking beyond peace between people where there is a lack of argument. It's a different kind of peace. It's a settling within our spirit, within our heart that can only come from the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, when just before Jesus said, peace, I'll leave with you, what he was talking about was the coming of the Holy Spirit. He was telling the disciples that, that I'm going away to prepare a place for you, but I'm not leaving you alone. I am sending one to be with you, the great comforter, the mighty counselor, the living Holy Spirit of God. And through him, you will experience supernatural things. Things like being able to see today what tomorrow might be like and believing it so intently, not because of your own will and not because of your own desire, but because you know that it is the will of God to be performed at another date. And that keeps you moving forward. And there is peace that comes with that because waiting for something brings forth that anxiety but God says to counter that anxiety I am giving you my spirit to bring peace a settling of the heart the ability to stand in the storm and face the eye of the hurricane without fear And the storm will come. I have never lied to you about that. But if you want to build and you want to grow and you want to experience God in a way that impacts your community, then you learn to suffer with dignity. To love your neighbor even when they're not lovable. To be faithful when you want to run away. To stand in faith even when it seems like everything around you is falling. This is who God has called us to be. If we are to change the world, change our communities and change our church. We have to let go of our own desires and our own abilities. Give it to God and let him have his way. Be obedient service that, that when trouble presents itself that, that we don't back down but we stand up and until, instead of telling God what we're going to do we ask God what he would have us do and act on that and that alone and be willing to have friends and loved ones fall to the side 
See, there's only one kind of peace in this world that Jesus said that he was bringing. And that's the peace within our heart. When we stand with God, knowing that we're performing his will. Other than that, Jesus never said he was bringing peace to the world as we know it. To the contrary, he said, I did not come to bring peace, but I come to bring a sword that I will separate mother from daughter, father from son. And what he meant was this. When you serve God, you have to love God more than you love anything else in life. Your relationship with God and the performance of His will has to be more important than any other relationship that you have with humanity. You are to love everyone, but be a friend only to God. Which means this. You can only be loyal to one. And you have to choose where that loyalty falls. Jesus said that concerning taking up a call, you do this. You put your hands to the plow and you don't look back. And for those of you that that are familiar with farming, you understand what that means. The plow is pulled by an animal and you put your hands on that plow that's attached to the animal in front of you and your mission is to tear a row in the soil and keep it straight. And you put your hands on that plow and you guide that animal. And you keep looking straight ahead so that your, your row is straight. But if you take your hands off that plow or you just get distracted and you look back, then your straight row now becomes a crooked row and goes off in many directions. You have it within you to do. I have seen your tenacity, and I have seen your love for church and your love for people. The question remains now is this. Would you take everything you love? Bundle it up. Bundle it up. Like Abraham bundled up Isaac. And bring it to the altar of sacrifice. And let God have his way. He guides, he directs. He provides. And we respond. But how we respond determines how far and how fast we go. I tell people all the time, I'm just a guy holding a sign, pointing away. That's all I do. The rest is up to you. But there's a future and a plan in place. Will you accept the call? Let us pray. Father God, we come before you. We close today's service and thank you for the time that you've given us together. And Father, as we go out today, 
Help us to go out walking in your power and your strength. Help us to walk out, Father God, knowing that you have a plan and a purpose for us. And help us, Father God, to put to past the old so that you can bring forth the new. Help us, Father God, that as we wrap up everything tightly that we love and care for so dearly, help us to bring it to the cross, lay it down at Jesus' feet, and walk away without picking it up. Because we know that out of nothing, you spoke this entire world. And we know that with what remains, you can recreate in our world, in our hearts, and in our mind. If we only give to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and always. Amen.